Are y'all with me? There's a bunch of people sick, got viruses and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and if they got that, I want them to stay home. Are y'all with me? So here, here, here's what we know. The devil is a lie. He's a lie. Amen. So I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter number 2. Acts cha- well, let's go back to Acts chapter 1. Let's start with Acts chapter number 1. For the next three weeks, for the next three weeks, we're going to be dealing with topics that are somewhat, somewhat controversial. Uh, they have been uh, taken and, and used and, and misunderstood. There's been a lot of confusion around them. And uh, because of that, we're going we're gonna to deal with them. We, 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 last week, we talked about when Jesus rose again, what happened in the 40 days, and now we are in Acts chapter number 2 to find out what took place right after Jesus left and the beginning of the church, the birth of the church, if you will, and everything that way. And, and in that time period, we, we find things going on that today people are confused about. And the devil wants to keep that confusion. The devil wants to keep that confusion. You say, how do you know? Because the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. He's not the author of confusion. So there's got to be somebody stirring it up, and it's not God. Amen? So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to take the Bible and allow the Bible to, to, uh, uh, to study the Bible. In other words, we're going to let God's Word interpret itself. Uh, and I think that's the best way to do it because that way we take out somebody else's opinion, we take out somebody else's theory about something, and so when we deal with a topic, we're just going to study what does the Bible say about that. And then you can make up your own mind. Are you all with me? Say amen. And you're probably wondering why I'm walking around with a yardstick. <laughs> and this is, this is the reason why. Uh, there are so many people who say, Well, preacher, I know what you're trying to tell me, but I know what I experienced. I know what I experienced. In other words, what they're saying is, I know what I felt. Because experience is based on feelings. Now, now let me tell you something about that. That's a very dangerous thing. Because, Because according to the Bible, according to the Bible, I believe it's in Jeremiah 17, 9. It says the heart is deceitful. And what that means is your heart will trick you. Your heart will lead you astray. Your heart will trick you. So how do you know that? I've talked to people say, Preacher, I know she's the one. I feel she's the one. That was three wives ago. And I'm not saying that to be funny. They were sincere. They truly felt like, I've heard people say this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Preacher, I just know God wants us to be together. The only problem is you're both married to somebody else. And and they truly feel. I feel like God. Now, I'm not not taking away from the fact you you may be experiencing some feelings. But what I'm trying to say, it's not God. Your feelings are not the measuring stick. Your feelings are not the measuring stick. Experience is not a good, valid test for truth. 
Let me say that again. You need to memorize that. Keep that in your heart. Experience is not a valid test for truth. What is a valid test for truth? In John 15, Jesus told us, Thy word is truth. Now, how do we, how do we determine whether our experience and our feelings are real or not, or of God or not? Back it up with truth. If your feelings line up with the Scripture, rock on, and I'll say amen with you. But if what you say you experience does not line up with God's Word, then you need to back up. Does everybody understand that? And, and you need to get that in your head before we ever start into these topics, because if you trust in your feelings, if you trust in your experiences, and not on God's Word, you're going to be led astray. Because the heart is deceitful. It's deceitful. Does that make sense? All right. Now, so let's just take God's Word at His Word. Let's just study in the next three weeks in these topics. We're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. Next week, we're going to talk about the filling of the Spirit. What is being filled with the Spirit? What does that mean? And then we're going to talk about tongues. I know you didn't think you'd hear that in a Baptist church, but we're going to talk about tongues. Because it was in the Bible. It was real. And we're going to see what does the Bible say about the, the experience of tongues. All right? Is everybody cool with that? Great. Now, here we, let's read in Acts chapter 1 in verse number 4. Verse number 4. Are you there? Say amen. amen. And being assembled together with them, commanded them, this is Jesus with his disciples, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Now what is the promise? For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the not many days hence. Now skip over to chapter 2, verse number 1. Now we're going to see what, the, what, what exactly Jesus was talking about in Acts 1.5. In Acts 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, a sound, a loud sound, a loud hurricane, tornado sound, a mighty wind, not the wind, but the sound. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as of fire. And each sat upon, and sat upon each of them. In other words, God was wanting everybody there to understand this was for every single individual. This experience, every one of them experienced it. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for an opportunity to study, to share your word, to, to, to learn something that's going to be a blessing and encouragement to us. Lord, I know there's a lot of different backgrounds of people in this building this morning. And Lord, they've heard a lot of different things. And, uh, Lord, I, I grew up hearing a certain uh, form of teaching and, and all of that. So, God, I want to I wanna do everything I can to, to, to take away from past traditions, past, uh, 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 past history, and for, for just a, about, a, about, a, about 30 minutes today, Lord, let us just set aside everything and just see what does the Bible say. 
And God, I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' precious holy name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. What, what do we need to know? What can we take from God's Word when it comes to this subject that has, seems to be controversial? And, 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 and ladies and gentlemen, things do not necessarily need to be controversial. All we have to do is take the Bible for what the Bible says. There are, there are good people that disagree on, on subjects all the time. Are you all with me? Say amen. If you're married, you disagree sometimes. Say amen. Uh-oh. I've got, I've got good friends that, that we just we, we, have, we have a difference uh, of understanding. And, and, and so let me say this right off the bat. Let's just set that aside and say, what does the Bible say? Can we do that? All right, three things I want to share with you. And, then, and we're just going to give you Bible verses. We're going to go to a lot of Bible verses. We're going to go to a lot of Bible verses. So uh, if you can't stay up with finding them, I, we're going to put them up on the screen. You, you do have them, right, guys, in the back? Okay. Uh, so we, uh, trust me, you write, the, you write the address down and you can go home. It's in your Bible, all right? So let's do this. Number one, I want to look at the promise of this, of this event, the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In order to do that, let's go all the way back to the Old Testament. Let's go back to uh, the book of Joel. Joel speaks about this. Peter confirms this. Peter confirms this in Acts chapter number 2 uh, when he preaches and he says what they are experiencing. He describes and teaches them. So he goes back and refers to the book of Joel. And listen, the book, the book of Joel says this. It says in Joel 2, verse 28, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh and that's the key that's the key i'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh so if you are taking notes make sure and underline that all flesh that that helps us understand something your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams your young men shall see visions and and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will i pour out my spirit now who is that that's a different class of people that's a different group of people. Now, to understand the significance of this, you've got to understand something about the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit did not rest or did not abide or dwell with everybody. The Holy Spirit came and went. Say that with me. He If you go back and study, if you go back and study, you'll find that uh, when Samuel anointed Saul, after the anointing of Samuel uh, with the the anointing oil to be king, the Bible says the Spirit of God came upon him. But in his disobedience, in his time of, of doing what he shouldn't have done, the Bible says the Spirit of God departed from him. Do y'all remember? He departed from him. Uh, then David, David, the Bible says the Spirit of God came upon David. Then when David sinned and disobeyed God and Nathan corrected him and Nathan uh, put his uh, finger in his face and said, Thou art the man, David got right with God and he's begging God and he's pleading God, said, Oh, God, forgive me and my iniquities and my, my transgressions are ever before me. Wash me, purge me. And then he says this, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He wanted God's presence. He wanted God's Spirit. And he knew that the Spirit would come and the Spirit would go. So in the Old Testament, the Spirit came and the Spirit would go. And he was only on certain individuals. We, this, we see the Spirit would come upon prophets. We see the Spirit would come a, upon kings. 
we see the Spirit would come upon special individuals who God had special uh, jobs for or special missions for. Uh, if you read the book of Samson, or skip the book of Samson. If you read about Samson, <laughs> help me, Lord. If you read about Samson and the exploits that he did, I, I love reading about this guy because everybody, when, when you read pictures or you see pictures or illustrations in storybooks, uh, they draw Samson out like he's this big Arnold Schwarzenegger guy. I don't believe Samson was that. I believe Samson was just a normal guy. What gave him the ability to do what he did and the powerful feats that he did and the mighty works that he did, it wasn't his muscles. It, the Bible says the Spirit of God fell mightily upon him. So, the Holy Spirit would come and go. The Holy Spirit would come and go, and the Holy Spirit would, would come upon certain individuals with certain tasks or responsibilities given to them by God. Everybody didn't get it. Does this make sense? What Joel is saying here, and what Joel is prophesying here, he says there's coming a day when it won't just be the special people. It won't, oh, come on. It won't just be, listen, those that everybody thinks should have it. It's going to be everybody. It's going to be the kings as well as the servants and the handmaidens. There's not going to be anybody left out. God is going to send his spirit upon everybody. Say amen. You say, why should that be an encouragement to you? If you grew up poor like I did, you'd appreciate that. If you grew up in a way, listen, it, it seems like there are special privileges all the time to certain groups of people, but when it comes to God, God is no respecter of persons. He will put His touch and His Spirit upon you. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your heritage is. It doesn't matter what your color is. It doesn't matter what your financial status is. God will touch you. Say amen. He promised it. He said it's going to be different. That's why... Pentecost was different than anything they'd ever experienced before. He said he's going to pour it upon all flesh. All right? Now, we see it's promised there in Joel. Then in Matthew, Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. This is, this is John. Y'all remember, John's having his revival services, trying to bring people and get, he's the forerunner of Jesus. He goes before the Lord Jesus Christ and he's preparing the way. And he's preaching repentance. I indeed, because they ask him, they ask him, the, the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees come out and said, are you him? Who is him? The, the Messiah. Are you the one that we've been waiting on? Because years and years and years they prophesied that there was going to come a Messiah, a Savior. Are you him? This is what he says. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I. Whose shoes I am not even worthy to bear. He... He shall baptize you with the, with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, don't mistake this right here. Don't mistake him with fire. Because some people say, well, that's talking about what happened in Acts chapter number 2, those flickering flames of fire. That's not what it's talking about. That's talking about judgment. Because if we read the, 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 if we read the next verse, he begins to explain what he's talking about. He says, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire whose fan is in his hand, and he shall thoroughly purge the floor and shall gather his wheat into the garner, and he will burn up the chaff which unquenchable fire. Now, so what is he saying? Some of y'all are going to go to heaven, and some of y'all ain't. Y'all with me? There's one coming after me that's going to baptize with the Holy Ghost. All right? Now, then, then Jesus speaks about it in John chapter 7. Jesus speaks about it in John chapter 7, verse 37. In the last day, 
In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, say that, he that, he that believeth on me. That's the, that's the, that's the prerequisite. That's the prerequisite. That is the, that is, that is the, how do we get it? He just said. He just said. And, and you need to get that. You need to get that because in the last point, we're going to talk about that. We're, we're going to talk about where some confusion has come in. He that believeth on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, of the Spirit. He's talking about that baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right? This spake he of the Spirit, which they that, they that should, on him should. So that's the prerequisite. Jesus himself, out of Jesus' own mouth, he said the only prerequisite to receiving the Holy Spirit is believe. In other words, salvation. You don't have to pray a long time. You don't have to tarry. You don't have to qualify. You don't have to seek it. You don't have to ask real hard for it. You don't have to get all the sin out of your life and be good enough to get it. He said, believe. Are you with me? Now, then he goes on. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus is Jesus here fixing to, be, fixing to be taken out. And one more time, one more time, Jesus brings it up. In Acts 1 verse 4, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the not many days hence. And we know ten days later. When? On the day of Pentecost. Not because, remember, not because they had prayed hard, not because they prayed ten days, not because they finally were good enough to get it, it was because it was God's timing. It matched the timing of God in the feasts and the celebrations of the Old Testament. God was following through, fulfilling what he had showed them in the Old Testament. Preacher, what are you saying? Pentecost happened by the sovereign timetable of God. Is everybody with me? Say amen. All right, number two, number two. Now, did you notice what I gave you? All verses. Now, now, can we take from what we just studied and what we just read, can we see that God promised that He would give us the baptism of the Holy Spirit? According to Scripture, right? Okay, so we're all together on that, right? All right, now, He's promised it. Number two, number two, let's look at the definition. Let's look at the definition, because right here is where people get squirrely. They start mixing some things. Today, we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit, where he says, be filled with the Spirit. Are you all with me? So we've got to keep them distinguished. They're two different situations. They're two different things. All right? Now, what is exactly the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is it? It is the moment that God places every believer in the body of Christ. The word baptism means to immerse. Are y'all with me? That's why we don't sprinkle at Temple Baptist Church. Baptism means to immerse. It means to go under, to overwhelm, if you will. Now, so what is he saying? It is the moment that God, by the Holy Spirit, places every believer into, into, say it with me, 
into the body of Christ. It is when the Holy Spirit comes into us. Now, you say, preacher, you said you was going to take the Bible to define the Bible. Exactly. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, on your screen, Paul defines what the baptism of the Holy Spirit exactly is. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Now watch. For by one Spirit are we all baptized, immersed, placed into. By one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we are all baptized into what? One body. That is the church. That is the body of Christ. The ecclesia, the called out assembly. Are you all with me? Now watch, now watch. Even by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Watch this. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, doesn't matter who you are, we have been all made to drink into one Spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. Now watch, Galatians 3. Galatians 3.26. And I'll come back to the other. Galatians 3.26. For ye are all the children of God. How? By faith in Christ Jesus. Have you ever heard people say and put on social media and all, we're all God's children? No, we ain't. Excuse me, that's not good English. No, we are not. We are all God's creation, but we're not all God's children. According to this verse, we become God's child by faith in Jesus Christ. That's why it doesn't matter who you are, your ethnicity, it doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter your past, it doesn't matter who you are. The moment you become a believer in Christ by faith, you're my brother. Welcome to the family. So how does that happen? By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit bonds us together, connects us together. You have been placed into the body of Christ beside me. So whether you like it or not, we're family. Amen? Watch, watch. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now watch, watch what he's saying. Neither, you remember what we saw in 1 Corinthians? Whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, we've all the same, we're all together. It says in verse 28 of Galatians, There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither male nor female, for ye are all, ye are all in Christ. Let me one more, one more. John 17. John 17. <clears throat> this is, this is kind of a verse that a lot of people, a lot of people try to use this prayer in these verses to try to take down denominational walls. And so we, we shouldn't have any denominations, and, 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 and to a sense that's true, we should all believe the same thing. But that doesn't mean we need to all tear down everything we believe and let's just all be together no matter what you believe or what I believe because we've got to draw a line somewhere. I'm a Baptist for a reason. Are you with me? 
And so, so well-meaning people try to take these verses and try to say, hey, God wants us all to be together. God wants unity. God wants us all together holding hands. And it's not what he's saying. Watch this. John 17, verse 20. Neither pray I, this is Jesus right before he is uh, crucified and resurrected and gone back to be with the Father. He's finished his work here on earth to do. And then he's praying to the Father. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through the word. Now who is the first, who is the first these? That's the disciples. That's basically the Jews. You with me? Watch. Neither pray I for these alone. It was the present believers at that time. But watch what he says. But for them, them also which shall believe on me through their word. Now who's that? That's everybody else. That's all the Gentiles too. Are you with me? Now watch. This is what I'm praying. That they all may be one. As the Father, thou Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one, how? Now, what did, what did Galatians say in 1 Corinthians say? That we are one in Christ. Is it making sense? Watch, 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 watch. That they all may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou givest me, I have given them that they may be even as we are. Watch. I in them, and thou, that thou may be made perfect, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Now what is Jesus praying for? He's praying for the very thing that took place on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is an answer to Jesus' prayer in John 17. In other words, Jesus is praying that all men would be one. No longer classifications. No longer Jew and Gentile. No longer God's people and everybody else. It's no longer the nation of Israel and, and the rest of the world. He's saying, I'm praying that they're all one. And guess what happened on the day of Pentecost? The Holy Spirit baptized every believer into one new man. It's no longer, hallelujah, it's no longer God speaking to the nation of Israel and working through the nation of Israel. They have been set aside. Now it's the church. It is the body of Christ. We are all one in the church, not male nor female, not rich or poor, not educated and uneducated, not Jew and not Gentile. We're one in Jesus. We're together. We're one. I, people, are, people are going all over this country trying to pray this prayer, helping, trying to help Jesus' prayer get answered. He don't need help to get his prayer answered. It was answered. On Pentecost. We're one. We're one. We're no longer, we're no longer different. We're no longer outcasts. We're no longer outside. We're one in the body of Christ. That is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is the event, the spiritual event, where God took 
and made us one and placed us in the body of Christ. There is no other definition in God's Word of the baptism of the Holy Spirit than what you just read. So what can we take from that? Then that's all it is. That's all it is. It is the moment that God spiritually takes every believer and places them in the body of Christ and makes them part of the church. Now, when you see the word church, you need to understand something. We don't use this term a lot because people, you know, they go crazy with it. You know, uh, uh, There is a universal church. Do you know them people that uh, uh, Brother Dustin and Brother Jeff was preaching to in Nepal are connected to you? How are they connected? The same spirit that's in you is in them. And they are a part of the same body. So they are your family. It doesn't matter if they're in, in, in Afghanistan or in China or in Russia. or it, it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what color they are. It doesn't matter what, what language they speak. It doesn't matter who they If they are a believer in Christ, by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they're connected to you. We are have you ever gone into a store? <clears throat> I'm going to run just a little baby rabbit right here. <clears throat> Have you ever gone into a store and you're standing there at the counter and there, maybe there's somebody else there and, and you strike up a conversation and you just click? You know, there's something. And, and, and in just a minute, you realize they're a believer too. And you have no idea why you find a connection with this person or feel connected to this person and, and, until you realize... Because what's in you is in them. And you are. So how does that happen? By the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We are one. Now, how does this take place? Number three. Number three. Number one is the promise. Number two is the definition. Number three is the experience. How does this happen? When does this happen? When does this take place? Because a lot of times, this is the confusion. There are well-meaning people, people that I am friends with, that I truly believe is a brother in Christ. But we have a difference of understanding about this, and a difference, you know. Some people believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that, that, that takes place later on when you seek it. Later on, when you pray enough for it and ask for it, or you get things lined up just right for it, not one single scripture in God's Word supports that. Not one. But I can tell you where Jesus said, if you believe, you'll get it. I can find that. And I can... Let, 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 me, let me get over... Let me get over. <clears throat> Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38. And, 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 and guys, sometimes when I'm, I'm, I'm saying this stuff, I'm so matter-of-fact about it because it needs to be so clear that it might sound arrogant. And if there's one thing I prayed and asked God, don't let me sound arrogant because I don't want to sound arrogant. But you've got you to speak it straight. Are you with me? Now listen. Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, because they asked, this is after he got through preaching, when, when they thought everybody was drunk, 
he corrected them and told them about Joel and told them about what was going on. And, and he said this. They said, what do we do? Because he preached sin. He preached conviction. He preached personally. We've been finding out in our, our book of Acts class on Thursday night. Listen, we've been finding out when Peter preached, buddy, he got in their face. He said, you killed him. Preaching's got to be personal or it don't work. Well, when he preached Jesus and he preached sin and he preached conviction, the first thing that happened, what do we do? What do we do? This is, what Peter, this is Peter's response to that. He said, then Peter said unto them, then Peter said unto them, Okay. Then Peter said unto them, And be baptized. Now this is water baptism. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, now don't try to take from that that you have to be uh, baptized to be saved. Okay? I'm going to clarify that too. The word, the word for is the word ice, which means on account of. Or on the basis of, okay? So, and we'll, we'll go into that. That's another one we'll tackle. And, and we, we'll find a verse right here that will clarify that. Okay? He says, if you will repent, that's salvation. And the last sentence, it says, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right? So there's salvation, the receiving of the Holy Spirit together. Y'all with me? Now look in Acts chapter 11. <clears throat> Acts chapter 11. Verse 15, and, I, and, and by the way, we can also go back to the, the, the verses we quoted while they're getting that on the screen. Let me quote again, let me quote again what, what, what uh, uh, was said by Jesus, was said by Jesus, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, but he spake this of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. That's out of Jesus' own mouth, Right? Now watch, watch what happens in Acts chapter 11. Now, Acts 11 is Peter responding to the criticism he got for meeting with the Gentiles in Acts 10 with Cornelius. And he is just rehearsing what took place in Acts chapter 10. He says, and as I begin to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, fell on them as on us at the beginning in Acts 2. Then remembered I the word of the Lord. How that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much, watch this, for as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who, who, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Nowhere does it say they prayed hard for it. Nowhere does it say they sought after it. Nowhere did it say they qualified for it. They believed. And at the moment of belief, I believe is the moment of salvation, at the moment of salvation, they receive the Holy Ghost. Are y'all with me? Let's go to Acts 10. Acts 10. This is the actual experience. This is the actual experience. In Acts 10, 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then answered Peter, 
Can any man forbid water that these should be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? When did they receive it? When they believed. When they believed. And by the way, that's a great verse to deal with. You know, you, you, you're not saved till you're baptized. Well, they received the Holy Spirit before they were baptized. Anyway, that's another. So, what do we take from this? When does a person receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? According to Scripture, at the moment of salvation. The moment that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. You are a, you are a part of the family of God. You are a believer connected with other believers and have the Holy Spirit residing in you. At the moment of salvation. Now, let me clarify something. There are some unique, there are some unique circumstances that take place in Acts that has caused some confusion. In Acts chapter number 2, the Bible says on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit, He fell upon the believers. He filled them with the Holy Spirit. Now, after this, after this in Acts chapter number 8, we see a group of people that are coming in and they believe. And they're called Samaritans. <clears throat> they're called Samaritans. How many of y'all have heard of Samaritans? Samaritans. They were half Jew and half Gentile. And they were hated. The Jews were very antagonistic to the Samaritans. They hated them. If, if a Samaritan was coming down the street, they would cross over the street and walk on the other side so they wouldn't have to pass a Samaritan on this side. They wouldn't spit on them if they was on fire. Some actually taught that they didn't even have a soul. Y'all with me? They hated them. They believed they were cursed people. They believed that, they, that God would not... Because you remember, they're God's people. So there's no way they're going to believe that they're a part of the church without confirmation. Because the Scriptures teach us the Jews require a sign. So, in Acts chapter number 8, when they believed, they did not receive the Holy Spirit immediately. This was, a, this was a, a unique circumstance, and there was a purpose behind that. Until the apostles arrived. Until the apostles arrived. And that's Peter. Why? Because they, God needed an eyewitness account. Or actually, the Jews needed an eyewitness account to confirm to them that God had truly received the Samaritans. So, Peter was there. And guess what he saw? He saw the same thing he saw in Acts chapter number 2. He said, hey, this is the real deal. And he prayed for them. And, they, and see, he was connecting them. Because you remember in John chapter number 4, Holy Spirit just reminded me of this. You remember in John chapter number 4, when the woman at the well, the, the woman at the well was speaking to Jesus, and, and they, they began to talk about religion, and, and the woman said, Now you Jews... You believe you worship in Jerusalem. But our fathers say we worship. In other words, they have two distinct religions. And God did not want two different religious Christian religions. He wanted them to be. That's why that took place. But that is not the norm. 
and you've got to remember this, Acts is a transitional book. Things are changing from the front to the back. They're changing, they're transitioning from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. All right? Then you find, then you find Acts chapter 10. You find Acts chapter 10, the Samaritans are put in the body of Christ in Acts chapter 8. The Gentiles, full-blooded Gentiles by Cornelius, Peter goes to them, and in Acts chapter 10, God receives them. How do they know? How do they know? Can, let me ask you all a question. It's kind of a trick question, but it's not a trick question. Can anybody in here find someone else and prove without a shadow of a doubt they're saved? Well, y'all, y'all sharp. It's impossible. I cannot look at everybody's soul and see if it's saved. I, cannot, I, I do not have the ability to look into every single human being in this room and determine whether they have the Spirit of God or not. But the Jews require a sign. Listen, the same thing, an outward manifestation of the Spirit of God that took place in Acts chapter number 2 took place in Acts chapter number 10, and that was, that was the evidence that convinced the Jews at Jerusalem, because if you'll remember, when, when Peter ministered to them, he, he led them to Christ, they, 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 they received the Holy Spirit, they manifested that on the outside, and then he went back to Jerusalem, and they got mad at him. What are you doing hanging out with Gentiles? You ain't supposed to be hanging out with Gentiles. He said, well, let me tell you what God did. You know what happened to you in, in Acts chapter number 2? That happened to them. And you know what the Bible says? Then they said, okay. You see, they had to know. And God knew they had to know. So he allowed that to take place as proof. One more situation. In Acts chapter number 19, we find some disciples of John. We find some disciples of John. In other words, they, had, they were in Jerusalem at the time that John was preaching and baptizing and, and teaching about Jesus. And they were baptized. Well, Paul, now this is, this is a long way from home. He runs into these guys, about 12 of them. And he says, you know, have you received the Holy Spirit? As we never heard of it. Because see, they didn't know about Jesus. All they knew about was John. You with me? So Paul expounds to them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They get saved, they receive the Holy Spirit, and now the body of Christ is complete. Because in a sense, in a sense, these disciples was a remnant from the Old Testament. They were still followers of John because they had not heard about Jesus. So in the book of Acts, we have the body of Christ complete. Jews in Acts 2, Samaritans in Acts 8, Gentiles in Acts 10, and, and a type of the Old Testament saint in, in Acts chapter number 19. After this, after this, it's all the same at the moment of salvation. Now, if you need a, a proof verse, here it is. Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Preacher, I just believe that, 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 that you get the Spirit later on and, and, okay, all right. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Now watch, now watch. Now, now what are we reading? Scripture, God's Word. Not my opinion. This is what the Bible says. 
But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. All right, now watch. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, say it with me, It is impossible to be saved without the Holy Spirit. And if you do not have the Holy Spirit, you do not have Christ. If you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. Immediately. Boom. Are you all with me? No qualifying, no asking for it, no seeking it. I've got a friend of mine in, a, in a, a charismatic church in Tennessee. I say a friend, a relative. And he's so frustrated. He's so frustrated because he's very sincere. He's very sincere. He was saved a long time ago when we lived in Florida. But he's been waiting on that baptism. Because he's in a charismatic church today that's teaching him that he will receive a special anointing, a special baptism by the Holy Spirit, and he will speak in tongues and all this stuff, and he is sincerely praying and asking, and, not, and nothing's happening. And he's just frustrated because he feels like everybody else is more spiritual than he is. No Bible doctrine at all teaches that. None. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It is the moment, as a believer, when you receive Christ, He places you in the body of Christ spiritually to be a brother in Christ. You are one in the body of Christ. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, so preacher, I disagree. Well, get your Bible and let's talk. But not today. <clears throat> Don't, don't, don't ever come to somebody to prove something you believe by what you feel. That's not the yardstick. That's not the yardstick. This is the yardstick. I asked one of the staff members that came in, I said, look at that outline. They looked at it. I said, look under all the main points. I said, what do you see? They said, Scripture. I said, what else? Nothing. I said, right. I didn't plan that. Y'all know that's not how I like to operate. I like subpoints and, and, and all this kind of, but God wouldn't let me. He said, just put what I said. So next week, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to take the filling of the Spirit and see what He said. And then the following week, we're going to take tongues and find out what he said. Because what he said carries more weight than what anybody says. And all God's people say it. Let's stand. Let's stand. Father, thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to 